at my Grandma Rink's Christmas parties growing up, there was always a recital. Many of us cousins took piano lessons from Grandma and were expected to play at least one piece, if not more, at the annual Rink Christmas Eve gathering. The cousins who did not inherit Grandma's musical gifts were recruited for the Bible reading, so nobody was off the hook for this recital. As someone who has always been drawn to the stage, I loved this family tradition. There's videos to prove it. But my introverted and not-so-musically-gifted siblings were a little bit less enthused. As you can imagine, we poked fun of each other for mispronouncing big words like Caesar Augustus and Quirinius from Luke 1. And I even saw our parents quietly teasing one another when kids hit the wrong notes on the piano. I saw that happen. Aunts and uncles caught everything on their camcorders while grandma served as the director of the recital. All the while, my grandpa sat back in his big comfy chair with a small smile on his face, letting grandma have her recital. Every year it came to an end when Grandma made her way to the piano and proudly led us in all the verses of all the Christmas hymns. Because of marriages and grandkids and cousins moving all over the world, our Rink Christmas Eve gatherings have certainly changed. This is also the third Christmas without Grandpa smiling at us in his big comfy chair. My own immediate family's Christmas rhythm is a little bit different this year. My sister and her husband are living in Luxembourg, which is in Europe, if you've not heard that word before. Uh, My brother and his fiance are visiting her family in Kenya, and my husband, who's supposed to be working today, is actually homesick. So I am the favorite child this year. I am in Michigan, ready for Christmas family gatherings. It seems that every passing year, life gets more full and hectic and stressful. So perhaps this Christmas Eve, you are really enjoying making memories with your family, celebrating old traditions or making new ones. Perhaps your house is full of grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins and big, beautiful Christmas trees and lots of presents. Or perhaps you're really busy with work or feeling lonely, grieving the loss of a loved one, unable to afford gifts for your children, maybe dreading spending time with that family member. No matter what is true of you tonight, I want to invite you in this time to simply pause and to reflect on the Christmas story, both as we've heard and will hear, from Mary's perspective to hear the response and the hope of a very young woman whose life was completely overturned when God's son came into the world. Luke presents Mary as someone who ponders things in her heart. So as you hear these words or follow along in your Bible, I wonder what words or phrases God wants you to ponder. Before we turn to Luke 1, Verse 46 through 55, remember with me 
that the angel Gabriel revealed to Mary earlier in this chapter that she would conceive and give birth to a son called Jesus. Jesus would be great, the son of the Most High. The Lord would give him the throne of his father David, and he would reign over Jacob's descendants forever and ever and ever. His kingdom would never end. To this Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. When visiting Elizabeth, Mary goes on to say these prophetic words. So let's turn together to Luke chapter 1 and read verses 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Because of where this text falls in Luke 1, we as readers are assuming that Mary says these words, sings this song in conversation with Elizabeth, who was at the time pregnant with John the Baptist. Uh, I'd like to notice something with you about this text. Perhaps you noticed it as well. In verses 46 to 49, Mary's talking about herself, expressing her gratefulness for this incredible responsibility given to her by God. And then in verses 50 to 55, she reflects on God's character, remembering the stories of when God's mercy extended to those who feared him, when he performed mighty deeds, scattered the proud, brought down rulers, lifted up the humble, filled the hungry with good things, and sent the rich away empty. All these amazing things God has done and is doing. There's something deeply human about that type of reflection, and that's the first thing I'd like us to notice about Mary's song. When God asks us to do something big, to take on something new or to let go of something, to do the thing we feel least equipped to handle, it helps to remember where God has been faithful already. When we're looking at a future that feels really uncertain, and in Mary's case, unsafe, there's something comforting about recalling the story. God, I know you to be someone who extends mercy, performs mighty deeds, fills the hungry with good things, so therefore I know I can trust you with this. 
I know I am blessed that you've asked me to do this thing even though I have not yet experienced the blessing. The next time you're reading the Psalms, notice that the psalmist often reflects on God's past actions as a way of cultivating hope for the future. I believe Mary responds in this way because she is facing lots of uncertainty. Yes, she does know that she is giving birth to God's son and will name him Jesus. And she knows that her son will be given David's throat and that he will reign forever and ever. And she's with Elizabeth, one who was miraculously pregnant despite her old age because of God. But as for the details of how this all will come about, Mary has no idea. There's so much of this story that Mary doesn't know. Jesus' teaching, parables, miracles, the crucifixion. Mary is uniquely blessed as the woman who brought God's Son into the world, and yet she is also a lot like us, seeking to follow God in uncertain places, moment by moment by moment. As we notice the way that Mary reflects on God's past action as a way of cultivating future hope in the face of uncertainty, I'd also like to notice that her words are unsettling and prophetic. So here again, verses 50 through 55. God's mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation, He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Scattering the proud, dethroning rulers, denying the rich. I don't remember hearing that in our Christmas jingles or seeing those words on anybody's Christmas cards in my mailbox this year. How do those five verses feel if you are not one of the lowly? If you're well-fed, if you're rich, if you're in a position of power, if that's you, that's me, those words may feel threatening. In fact, in some countries, like India, Guatemala, Argentina, these verses were viewed as dangerous by people in power. And at different points in history, they were banned from being recited, because they encouraged poor people to believe that change was possible. These words are controversial. They still feel controversial, as they were when Mary originally spoke them in Jesus' day. At that time, about 3% of the population were wealthy, and the rest were not. So words like that had the potential to stir up rebellion. And we know from the Gospels that words like this spoken by Jesus and by the Pharisees and by others at different times and in different places, did stir up rebellion and brought about the circumstances of Jesus' 
crucifixion, and death. As a poor, unmarried, pregnant teenager, it was dangerous and arguably foolish and a little bit brave for Mary to say those things, to long for a day when oppressive, exploitive, unjust people and systems would be overturned, as the angel promised her they would be. In a world that certainly thrived on taking advantage of her, Mary was bold to hope in something that was both bigger than she could ever imagine and as small as the sun she would rock to sleep in a filthy manger. Mary is a lot more than a silent figure in a nativity scene, more than a woman who sits and ponders. Mary's words, the longest set of words spoken by a woman in the New Testament, are deeply prophetic and deeply human. So as we receive those words this evening, I wonder how they shape your faith, how they shape your relationships, how they shape your priorities, how they impact the way you hope in uncertain situations in your own life. Remember with me tonight that while it is good and right to celebrate God's great love for us in sending Jesus into the world to save us from sin and death, Jesus is also sent into the world as a reminder that God scatters the proud, God brings rulers down, God lifts up the humble, fills the hungry, sends the rich away, and in all things is merciful. Friends, may Mary's song inspire us to love and to justice and to peace. Would you pray with me? God, as we remember Mary's words, and as we remember the moment when your angel Gabriel brought her the news that she would bring your son into the world, God, we are grateful. We are grateful for her courage in doing so and for the impact that it's had on us for your great love that loved us all so much that we could draw near to you. God, as we remember Mary's song, as we remember her deep blessing and her deep conviction that you were coming into the world to change the world for your glory, God, we pray that you would move in our hearts in such a way that the way that we live our lives, the people we engage, the habits we have, the ways we spend our money, the ways that we spend our time would bring you glory would uplift people who are crying out to you, would draw us nearer and closer to you. God, we thank you for this reminder and for this invitation. Would we continue to ponder these words this week and to wonder how we can continue to shape our lives for your honor and for your glory. God, we're also mindful this week um, that we are coming with different needs upon our hearts. Just in our own community, over the past week, we've mourned the loss um, of Dave Hookstra of Howard Bauman, and of others who have passed, God. So we hold those families before you and those for whom the holiday season brings about grief and laments. God, continue to draw near to us as we draw near to you. All these things we say before your holy name. Amen. As we prepare to remember 
the God who has indeed come into the world and whose light, which is here in this candle, is dwelling among us, hear these words from the book of John. John 1, 1 to 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Friends, indeed, in the beginning was the word, and now, here, we remember the word that is dwelling among us. Perhaps for you, you can feel and sense the blessing of the season as you're surrounded by friends and family, and perhaps that's harder to remember and to live into today. But in this space, and in this community, and in this moment, we're going to take just a second to pause and to be grateful for the light that has indeed come into the world to dwell among us, to bring us comfort and peace, to inspire us, and to love us in this season.